Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. You know, the latest statistic is that there are over 7,100 distinct languages in the world. And that doesn't even include the countless dialects that are interwoven in those cultures. If you've traveled to another part of the world, you know that communication can be a challenge. And you're hoping that maybe they speak an element of English, but that's not always the case. And I've been blessed to travel to many places around the world. And I just can't imagine everyone being able to speak the same language and communicate with unity of thought. But we see in the Bible that at one point in time in history, everyone spoke the same language. In Genesis 11, we read that the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Now, in the timeline of things, this takes place a couple thousand years after the flood of Noah. And as people migrated from the east, the Bible says they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Now, this is significant because whenever someone heads east in the Bible, there's usually trouble. When Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden, they moved east of Eden. When Cain left the presence of the Lord, he went east to Nod. And Lot settled east of Sodom. So here, the people head east and end up in the plain of Shinar, which most historians believe is modern Iraq. Now, the previous chapter tells us of all the descendants of Noah's sons. And it ends by telling us that they will eventually spread themselves out to various parts of the world. But remember, they're still speaking the same language. But chapter 11 points out that those who settled in Shinar decided to work on a huge project together. They said, hey, we need to build something so that we can make our mark on planet Earth. So they said, let's build a tower and a city and make a name for ourselves. In other words, they didn't want to be forgotten in history. Well, God knew the intent of their hearts, and he made sure that they weren't forgotten in history. He knew what would happen if he didn't intervene. They would just continue making a name for themselves. And therein lies the problem. It's not about making a name for ourselves while we live our 60, 70, 80 years here on earth. It's not about our name. It's about his name. Yesterday, we were all saddened with the breaking news that Queen Elizabeth had died. And in her reign of over 70 years, she made a name for herself. But that wasn't her goal. Her goal was to serve her country. And she did that well. But again, when we talk about our life and the legacy we leave behind, it should never be about my name, but his name. So God intervened and confused their language so they couldn't understand each other. And if you read these verses carefully, you'll see that it was God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to confuse the people's language in order to force them to scatter abroad and to humble their pride 
in their own self-sufficiency. Now in Acts 2, we see that the Holy Spirit turned back time, so to speak, and he gave people the ability to bridge that language barrier that had started at the Tower of Babel because they all heard what was being said in their own language and dialect. So we see that God can divide people or unite people with languages. And in building the tower and the city, he knew that if the people couldn't understand each other, they would be divided and forced to stop building. They would give up, pack up their things, and just move somewhere else with their family. Now, full transparency here, I'm just not that handy at fixing things. I like learning, but I'm confident that the people who were trying to show me how to fix whatever it is I'm fixing get frustrated at my inability to do it. I'm sorry, what's that called again? How much should I shave off? Wait, 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 you bend it that way? Now, just amplify that tenfold when you're working with someone who speaks a different language. Now, if you're old enough to remember, in 1999, the Mars Climate Orbiter finally reached its destination after 10 months of traveling in space. But it just burned up into thousands of pieces. This $125 million project was designed to measure the climate on Mars. And it was a a joint project between NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, who was in charge of the navigation, and Lockheed Martin Astronautics, who designed and built the aircraft. Now what happened was Lockheed Martin did all of its calculations for thrust in pounds using the Imperial system. And the Jet Propulsion Lab did its calculations using the metric system. And the problem was that the software on board was supposed to calculate the force that the thrusters needed to exert in pounds of force. And then there was a second piece of code that read the data that actually assumed that it was in the metric unit, which I believe was newtons per square meter. I mean, all you science nerds out there know the difference, but I really don't. But the bottom line is that the project blew up. I mean, literally. Billions of dollars were lost. The materials, the fuel, the cost to pay the employees to build it, it just wasn't a well-thought-out plan. Now, back to the Tower of Babel. One day they started building a project. It was literally the world's first skyscraper. And maybe that doesn't seem like a terrible thing to do, but it was. The biggest problem was their motive for building it. Now, if you don't think motives matter, go back and read the story of Cain and Abel. Motives do matter to God. Why we do something is just as important as what we do. Well, what was wrong with their motives? Simply put, they wanted to make a name for themselves. And when you're number one in your life, God isn't. It's really that simple. They were declaring their independence from God. They didn't need him. They just made their own plans. And when we put ourselves as number one, we're declaring the same thing. And they forgot about God as they made their plans. And it's no surprise that God's plans were different than theirs. 
And God essentially allowed them to make a name for themselves, but it's not the way they had planned. The Tower of Babel is now synonymous with failure, not success. And this story of failure lasted thousands of years through Jewish history. And most Bible scholars believe that when Mary is talking to Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, verse 51, that this event is mentioned. The verse says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their heart. So when God's plans are matched with ours, there's no contest. It doesn't take a genius to figure out who's going to win. If I went golfing with Tiger Woods, I'm not going to be surprised when he beats me. And we're reminded here that man is not God. God is God. And our plans are not his plans. But we love making plans and include God in them. And the problem with that is that many people want just enough God to make them comfortable. Just enough God to give them hope when they feel down. Just enough God to comfort them when death strikes. But they don't want too much God. They don't want so much God that they have to change their priorities. They don't want so much God that they have to reach out and love people who are different. They don't want so much God that they have to start treating him as more important than anything else. I don't know about you, but when our family sat around the dinner table, mom would always say, you have to eat your vegetables before you can have dessert. And truth be told, it was a lot easier to obey when we were having green beans than when we were having boiled spinach. Now, most of us don't mind obeying when it fits in with what we're comfortable with. But selective obedience, obeying only when we want to, really isn't obedience at all. It's merely convenience. And when we get to that point, we are exhibiting the same attitude as the people here in chapter 11, which is, it's all about me. And again, I don't know about you, but when I'm driving down the highway and I see the speed limit sign, I really don't focus in on the words speed limit as much as I see the number itself. But the word limit is there for a reason. It's the maximum. And why is it that we usually use the maximum as our starting point and then push it just a little bit more? And why do we treat God's commands like the speed limit? We take it to the edge. And if nothing happens, well, we go a little further and then a little further and then a little further. And when the speed limit says 70, but you ignore that, you drive 79, blaming God when you get a ticket won't help. Blaming the camera that took your picture won't help. You exceeded the limit on purpose. Why do we do things like that? Because we live with the idea that it's all about me, my choices, my preferences, my desires. Now, don't get me wrong. We all want to do something in life that will make a difference. But our goal in life shouldn't be to make a name for ourselves. All through the Bible, we see that humbling ourselves is the key to having God do great things through us and in us and with us. Think about it this way. 
Jesus had the right to claim his divinity here on earth. But that wasn't his mission. His mission was to be an example and humble himself to die for us. So why do we think we have the right to exalt ourselves when Jesus humbled himself? And when we read this event about the Tower of Babel, God denied them the very thing they wanted because of their pride. I mean, just look at what they tried to do. Verse 2 from chapter 11 says that they traveled to Shinar, a place God had already created. It was there before they were. Verse 3 says they decided to make bricks from the elements that God had already made. How can you make a monument to yourself with the things God has made for a testimony to himself? Now read verse 4 very carefully. They wanted to build a city and a tower. They wanted to have a whole society of self-centered people, just like they were. And in verse 8, God confused their communication and the building of the city stopped. And we live in a medieval city in Belgium, and there's a tall bell tower in the middle of the main square of the town. And this is kind of what I imagine when I read this story. They're building a city, and the tower would be the centerpiece of that city. But God didn't allow that to happen. Read verse 6 very carefully. And it says, in essence, that their imaginations needed to be restrained. Why? The only thing that restrains the evil in men's hearts is accountability. We'd live without limitations if we didn't have accountability. And whether you realize it or not, the confusion of the language was an act of mercy, not cruelty. When God allows man to act out the godless desires of his heart, it's never the utopia Satan promises, but it's chaos and tragedy. So God, in his mercy, didn't allow them to continue to follow the desires of their heart. Let me round this out with this thought. Don't forget that God can execute correction just by giving us what we want. Our sinful heart blinds us to the fact that our desires are destructive. And if God just turned us over to those desires without restraint, our desires would always be harmful to our spiritual walk and opposite to what he desires for our lives. But if we lay aside what we want for the sake of following him, we will find everything our heart desires in him. So let's wrap it up. Don't try to make a name for yourself because it's not all about you. Humble yourself. Ask the Lord to use you in whatever capacity he sees fit to honor his name, not yours. Well, thanks for joining me. Stay encouraged in the Lord. Remember, it's not about making a name for ourselves. It's about making his name great. Go share God's kindness with a friend today. We'll see you next time.